Welcome, welcome, welcome. Reckless Speculation, River City Media. We're usually on here and we're the impartial guys. But tonight, you've got two alumni, two boosters, two season ticket holders going to talk about Storming Nealon. Robbie Davis joined Randall Cunningham. And Robbie, I cannot emphasize what a crazy, magical night that was. It was the best sporting event, probably the best event I've ever been to. No, it was. I mean, I'm I'm thinking of, um, you know, different atmospheres, the Georgia Hail Mary, the Florida upset in 04. Um, my sports life doesn't go back near as far as you yours does. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, that's the first time I've stormed the field. And just from the from game day, from the and this this was and especially us as Tennessee fans, Tennessee, you know, students and now fans, taking a step back and from the very, very top, uh, from the president to the chancellor to the AD to the coaches to the security. To, and we'll get into more of that. It was a just everyone on the same page as far as if this happens, we were going to enjoy it and we're going to embrace it and make sure everyone's safe. Yeah, I've got a great story. Uh, we'll get into at the end of the game. Uh, you know, I am handicapped. Never made it. I have a uh, had a car wreck a few years ago and probably don't walk that great and i can't i can't move like i used to but um i got a story of the police actually helping me onto the field at the end of the game yeah so. tell tell that story whenever you're ready uh, okay well, 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 I got, do we want to talk about the build up the game first let's, let's talk about the build up and the kick and everything and then we'll talk about storm in the field first of all uh, when you say i have been to a super bowl i've been to a world series i've been to a national championship game but for a sporting event, as great as all that other stuff was, even I was at the uh, Titans and Rams Super Bowl, and I didn't have a rooting interest in either side. So uh, this I have a total rooting interest in. It went up down the field. Um, Alabama fans talk about, oh, you charge the field. We would never charge the field. But to me, it was the biggest compliment in the world that we would charge the field after beating Alabama. We didn't charge a couple of weeks ago after beating Florida, but there was a, there's something different about Alabama, Tennessee that night, wasn't there, Robbie? In my heart, I mean, it felt different. Oh yeah, well, and I mean, I told you right before we came on stage. Look, I'm 38. Um, I went to school for a lot longer than most people, but this was the first Monday of my career that Tennessee's beat Alabama. Yeah. This was the first time since I was a student in 06 that we beat Alabama. It was, it, we were in the courthouse this morning. It's what everyone was talking about. Um, it was people. I mean, you saw it was on, I think good morning America or like this, this was, this, this, this was, different than just sport. This was a city, a fan base, uh, 
just an atmosphere, whether it be the orange and, and look like, you know, you joke about a sea of orange. That's what it looked like. It looked like, and I hate to get corny uh, with the rising tide, but it looked like the, uh, the tide rose of an orange sea as it came across over the grass in Neyland stadium. It was, it was amazing. And a, a, a unique perspective to both get to see it happen and then get down there. Um, but yeah, the whole build up and um, it was, it, it was perfect. It, it, it was. The emotional ride of the last seven minutes added to the explosion that occurred not going to go through the whole game. Everybody's gone through the game, and I'm sure we will on Reckless Speculation Wednesday night at 9 o'clock here on River City Media. But you get to seven minutes to go in the game, and you're tied. And Tennessee gives up the fumble six. And you would think the energy would come out of the building, but it didn't. And I think it took one completion until the crowd was back at 120 decimals. Yeah, it, it was, you know, I, we tied, the game was tied. I went up to go to the bathroom, get, get a beer. That was the fourth quarter, I think. So I probably went up to the bathroom. I came down and I was like, what in the heck happened? How, how are we behind now? And yes, I completely agree with you. You would have thought like those kids, the fans, everyone brought it every single defensive play. Yes. Not, not every third down, not every big play. Literally every play, it was deafening in there. And yet they didn't lose hope. And and part of it is just this offense that we have. And it is, look, there's no more, you know, hey, if, if we go down two scores or a score or we have to be part, this offense is unbelievable. And um, I don't know about you. I mean, what were your thoughts as, Hyatt just kept getting open and open and open. And this is not against, all due respect to Florida, this is against Alabama and Nick Saban, who, while he's not the defensive coordinator, he is a de facto D. I mean, he's the guy that's going to put in what we want to run, and they'll run it. It, it, was, it was just amazing what Hypel drew up. Well, that's exactly what I was going to say. I kept thinking uh, that the guy standing on the sideline is a special young coach that we need to get wrapped up and, and design things. And, and, and I sat in the south end zone, and thank God I sat there because I think three of Hyatt's touchdowns came right in front of me, including his 80-yarder. And yeah. uh, I also thought uh, – Scoring uh, when it was 21 nothing or 21 7 at half, about to go in half. I thought Alabama played their hearts out to get back in that game. Alabama quit right then. And uh, and we'll go to the end of the game after this and and the field goal. But uh, Bryce Young is on my list of best five college football players I've ever seen. And I told an Alabama fan that list consists of Herschel Walker, Bo Jackson. Tim Tebow, there's some pretty special names on there, Reggie Watt and, and, and Bryce Young. And as much as I love Hedden Hooker, Bryce Young is able to do something that I've never seen a quarterback do, run around. He's, I, I compared him to Kyler Murray, six foot two, uh, just an incredible athlete. 
Yeah, and he he kept Alabama in that game, and um, I agree with you. He he played magnificent coming off, and this is a guy with a hurt shoulder who missed yeah. the last two games. Um, oh, if he, you know, it was questionable if he was going to play or not. If he doesn't play, that game is a boat race. It, I mean, he kept them in there and just, yeah, he was a magician escaping from trouble and just getting literally dancing around until people got open. Um, I walked away with him and prep. I mean, to think that, I mean, that, that was a heck of a game and the guy across had a better game, which is just phenomenal. That, that was, um, one more thing. And I'm sure we don't have to get into this now, but we will at reckless speculation again on Wednesday, we'll have our normal show, but this will be part of it. Uh, is Tennessee the first team? And I got this question from Alabama. Um, he's a media type. Is Tennessee the first team that's been built out of the portal to be a national championship contender? Well, you have LSU a few years ago. Um, who the portal they didn't get? Uh, did Burrow not was did yeah. Burrow not come through the portal? Uh, well, the portal opened the next year where they were free to transfer. Burrow actually transferred as a grad transfer. He graduated and then left. So he did like the Russell Wilson thing. Yes, absolutely. Okay, okay. So, well, yeah, then, yeah, I guess so. Um, what's funny is, you know, Hooker was a Pruitt guy. Uh, yeah. And Hypo, you know, he brought in Milton, and then it just kind of worked um, that – Hooker's won the day, and then look, look Hyatt, Hooker, and then look, we did this without Tillman. And yeah. when, so like in this age of college football and with the rules and the speedy offenses and, you know, the substitution, we've seen like Chip Kelly, we've seen Urban, we've seen uh, Lane Kiffin. Uh, even Ryan Day, we've seen these coaches that can get people, spread them out, get them open in, in space. I'm not sure I've seen a coach design plays that get guys open in space, downfield. And, and just like some of them are, you know, great throws, and some of them are, oh my gosh, how is this guy still wide open? Like, it's it's amazing to watch Heupel's play calling and, and the motions and just getting people on the matchup he he exactly wants. And I don't know if Heupel invented something. And if you ever – I know he's quite a controversial figure, but one of the best followers on TikTok is Jason Brown, former independence from uh, Last Chant U. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And he was talking about one of Hyatt's touchdowns today – He's like, this is simple offense, guys, but they run it to perfection. And going through one of the play calls, he said, I used this at Independence 10 years ago, but they do it different, you know. So, mm. all right, Rich. Well, Jackson, they, they spread them time. out so far to the sidelines. and it's, Yeah, it's unreal. Yeah. All right, Robbie, so um, we're going to wrap this up, everybody, for Monday Night Football, if you're staying with us. Rikers, Alabama gets the ball. Rikers drives the other end of the field. Alabama had some questionable clock management. Um, 
everybody blaming the refs, all that stuff, I, I'm not into. I, I think there was equally some questionable calls on both sides. But I tell you, if I'm Alabama, I'm killing myself today because when they're in first down and 10 and the clock's running down, uh, Gibbs does not get a carry, and they throw the football three straight times and leave that 15 seconds on the clock and try to kick the field goal. Robbie, I think I give Gibbs a touch then. You know, do you think in, – and I know they're focusing – you know, on the play at hand. On the, do you think that kick six was just even the slightest little bit in the back of their mind? They did not want a long field goal to end the game. And because I agree with like, that was like, if you run it, you, you get a, a long field goal or overtime, but that was, that was uncharacteristically bad clock management. And you know, if you give that Tennessee team the ball with any time on the clock, it, one play can be broken. And so it was it was weird to throw it those three times. And to throw, I mean, I guess you like, like you said, you have one of the best players in college football. Maybe you, you say, hey, I'm riding my stud. But it kick. sure seemed like Gibbs, give Gibbs the ball, get, get a little closer. And even if it's a longer field goal, then um, – you take it, but once once he missed, Tennessee had the confidence. Yeah, it, it, Rich, we're about to address this in, in, in the next, but you're right, the 17 penalties on Alabama. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that, Rich, in just a second. All right, Rockers misses a field goal, 15 seconds to go. Uh, the big play of that, is the first completion to get to the 50-yard line, Robbie. Nine seconds at the 50-yard line. From from the 15 seconds at the 30 to nine seconds at the 50 was an eternity to me and changed yeah. the whole complexion of what Tennessee was going to do. Yeah, well, uh, for those that don't know, uh, we were actually sitting on opposite end zones. So I was yeah. sitting uh, behind the goalpost where Alabama missed the field goal. Randall was sitting on the one where Tennessee made the field goal. And so just we both had really good views of as the kick went up, where it was headed, uh, and we'll get to that later. But, yes, once you get to the 50, then you're like, all right. Because then it gets to you have options there. You have you can run up and then – turn around and jump back into a cornerback, get a pass interference. We had a timeout left, so any the middle was open. Uh, and obviously, uh, in college, it stopped after the first down. So, yeah, throw it past the sticks. You had three options. Uh, what? You have, you have three options. None of them are terrible as long as I'm going to pick six. Either they intercept, it's overtime. If you get a PI, it's first down, you're kicking a field goal. If you get a first down, clock stops, you have a timeout, and they probably – they, with the home field, they had probably time to clock it. They probably could have snapped it with a second left. Um, but, but yeah, but I mean, that was that puts you in position to at least attempt to win. And if you miss the pass, you have Joe Milton coming in like he did in the first half and yeah. flipping 150 yards and trying to get a Hail Mary, which they already they almost completed the Hail Mary to close the first half. So, 
we're 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 there. Um, and I told Raj, our friend, a mutual friend and a member of Reckless Speculation, uh, a Virginia Tech transfer to a USC transfer, first down, two seconds to go, and a USC transfer comes in to kick the 42-yard field goal or the 40-yard field goal. It, I, to be honest with you, I think it was 40 because they said 40 is his number. And uh, I'm going to play you a clip, Robbie. This was from my perspective, everybody. In this clip, you can only have 30-second clips. If you want to see all the clip, go to River City Media or go to Randall.Cunningham-5 on uh, TikTok. Uh, I've got a couple of two-minute clips uploaded. But um, I want to – I just want to paint the scene for you. And this it's not – folks, this was done on a cell phone. It's not CBS quality. But definitely, I want you to see this. Robbie Davis, from your angle, did you think the kick was good coming off his foot? So yeah, so it didn't sound great. It didn't look great. Um, it was coming, and I knew it was on target. I didn't know if it had the distance, and it was one of those. There were, you know, the crowd goes crazy, and then because even though it's in like you know split seconds but you've everyone's ever seen every field goal kick goes over or wherever it goes refs look at each other to confirm they saw the same thing but the students they they saw it go over you can like the cop in the back or the security that caught it he puts his hands up first then the students go up and then the refs look at each other then they finally put their hands up and then that's when the fireworks go but yeah so the but just those small delays, like the emotions you have in your head watching it all was was fantastic. Because I thought it went over, but you could not tell from where I was sitting because it was so close. And it was a low duck twisting sideways going over. So from my end, um, I'm going to be honest with you. I thought it hit the cro- I thought it was going to hit the crossbar. And if I'd have been on your end, I'd been worried, did it go under the crossbar and look yeah. good? But it cleared the crossbar. And if you go look at that full video, it clears the crossbar six inches. And, and um, I'm thinking it's about to hit the crossbar. We're about to go to overtime. And when it, when it clears, there is literally, I, I, folks, I'm sitting in six and L. The students are in K. There is a rush of humanity towards the field that is, <laughs> I mean, uh, not Florida 98. It was much faster, much harder, much more. I watched th- that. I watched some of those videos for about 45 minutes today, just the people and just the comments. Twitter has been, it's been great. And um, it, it was, I mean, it was just, well, well, one and kudos to, um, the 
Tennessee security and the police. They Alabama got off the field quickly. The band, though, did you see that? The band did get stuck. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes. That's this is the best moment right there, isn't it? Yeah. This this is what a, a athlete looks like and a non-athlete compared side by side. I, I looked at that picture and I went, "One's fantasy and one's real. One's playing. <laughs> uh, one's playing real." Uh, yeah, he could have just put put my forehead, put his head on my forehead, and let me try to punch him, and I couldn't reach him. I love this picture. Uh, uh, oh, yeah, no, it was. Y'all to get down. Oh, man, you know what? As literally, I had the cigar in my pocket. As soon as the field goal went in, uh, flipped it, flipped it up, lit it, and then we were going down. I helped people light some cigars that didn't really light her in. And then um, it probably took, I don't know, man, time was so probably 10, 15 minutes to just get down. And then um, we the, the first goalpost, so the goalpost on your side had fallen. And then we got on, and then literally the time we made it to the end zone, the, the goalpost on our end was coming down. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it – it's hard to, you know, we, we keep saying, we keep, we keep explaining it, but then preface it with it. That it's, it's not accurate. The words can't put it in. in, in there's no words. You make a living with your language and you, there's no words that you can get to describe it. Yeah. So here was my story at the end of the game. Yeah. The kick's good. I'll wait um, about 60 seconds. It's about a minute. And um, I'm six, four. 3.30, and I've already said I'm, 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 I've got 66 screws in my back. My friend Andrew uh, Howard, who sits with me, uh, trained Brazilian jiu-jitsu fighter, looks at me and goes, let's go. And I go, I'm going to be the only three-time charger of Neyland Stadium in history. And here I go. I got down to the field, man, and um, – I saw a clip from President Randy Boyd where they were talking, asking him about the damage done. He said, doesn't matter. Yeah. When I got down there, my friend goes over, he grabs a couple of students and a, and goes, he's 56, handicapped, get him down. The police officer standing there, here's my friend, and comes over, and my friend, the police officer, and two students sets me down an eight-foot ledge like I am a baby in my mama's arms. The officer patted me on the back and sent me on my way, man. That, yeah. that was what that was supposed to be about. Oh yeah. And, and, and that's what I said earlier. Like, yeah, from Boyd on down to Plowman to White, Highpool, Knox County, city of Knoxville, everyone, they were on the same page. But let everyone enjoy it. But yeah, that's an awesome story. Do you want to share your other story? Which one? Oh, <laughs> yeah. yes. Well, I'm going to show the. I'll share this one. Then I'm going to show the video. You're talking about the, uh, uh, look folks, I don't drink and I'm a non-drinker and, and, um, um, I, I was designated driver for three other people and, uh, we got pulled over about two 30 that night. And uh, I was taken to the cops, the police officers, very nice officers, by the way. 
putting on the on the hood of the car and they were like that car smells like breathalyzer we see at least seven open containers and i'm like I- i'm not drunk you've got to breathalyze me i understand police officers the whole time are talking to me and they give me my breathalyzer and they go well you you really aren't drunk are you and i was like no ma'am and uh they wrote me a warning ticket and sent me on the way robbie uh and actually, thank you for being the DD for those. Nobody was trying to get hurt. And that's that's good police officers, too. That That is good police officers. And for people wondering, uh, if you do not know, Tennessee is one of the few states where passengers can consume alcohol in a car. Yes. But with a caveat, you can only have the open containers must be limited to how many passengers are in the car. So. You well, can't have, what, what what Randall did was have people double fisting it, and that's what got him in trouble. Got him the warning because, well, you had someone three fisting it. I don't know uh, who was in the car with you. I, I but, don't know uh, that many bottles, or if they just were trying. But it was a bunch. I'll put it that way. Yeah, there was. I remember getting back in the console, and I picked up the console, and there was a open beer in the console, and we closed it down. And like I said. Um, I was, I was, I, I was not drinking. Uh, Tom, my cigar was bought right before the game. Uh, and one more story we got to tell, Robbie. In 2019, there was a Knoxville New Sentinel argue, or article about me and the cigar tradition, and that I hadn't smoked them and I had broke all my cigars. Uh, I sent Blake Toppenmeyer, Toppenmeyer that used to work for the Knoxville Sentinel, an email this morning saying that I had smoked one, and he sent me back. A huge congratulations, and then uh, said he might mention it in his article. So it, it's a good deal. Uh, yeah, it, it was the first time in about 10 years that I've taken one to the game, uh, even with a hope to win. Yes. Much less. I took the cigar and the lighter this year, and that's just what kind of vibe it was in Knoxville. Uh, yep. The the spread seemed – I mean – and not I, yes us ut fans are going to be cocky we're going to be annoying for a while because we haven't we have been here but it's been a long time uh but yeah i mean the spread seemed crazy i mean even though a play here there they could have covered but that's how gambling goes uh i'll tell you a funny story real quick so i have a friend um who she was tailgating with us and she's like, Oh, how do I get into this sports betting? You know, she's kind of, I kind of want to put some money on the game. And I said, well, I was like, Barstool's actually doing a thousand dollar risk-free bet. Uh, if you bet on the Vols, if you want to just do that, I was like, you got to deposit a thousand though. And then I'm not sure. I was yeah. like, most of the free bets I've got have been like real long shots. And I've lost them, but I, I, I walked her through it. She got it. Um, ended up, doing money line and uh hitting it for plus 270 i think so so yeah she she came out a really nice winner she uh bought me beers on sunday morning at copper cellar uh while i had brunch i did the i did the uh draft kings um one game special <clears throat> not where you go through and pick it but they had one that yeah. was tennessee plus two and a half uh in the first quarter plus three and a half at halftime, uh, money line to win plus over 29 points, and it hit. So, uh, 
Uh, I want to play one more video, and then we'll get some final thoughts. Uh, folks, we know the Monday night football is about to kick off, but we'll get you there. But here's the video after I've made it to the field and the first of the good cops that I met, that police officers I met that night. And I do not mean that derogatory. These were some wonderful people that helped me onto the field. We go to the scene and you're going to hear some foul language and most of it's coming from me. So don't pay no attention. Hey, Robbie, after that, I got underneath the goalpost at some point, and I reached up and grabbed it and rode it just for a minute. So, Very I nice. I don't know if it's the greatest win in Tennessee football history, but it's the best. It's the greatest win in the Randall Cunningham 30 years of season tickets. Um, a compliments to the Alabama folks again. Uh, we ended up tailgating with some Alabama folks before and after. Uh, the good Bama folks are like the good Tennessee folks. They're good people. Yeah. He has bad fans. We They do too. But the experience I had was great with the Alabama folks. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, most of them that come to the games are your good fans, uh, especially away games. Uh, and with that ticket price um, to get in, it was hefty. And so, yeah, we, we also had some Alabama fans that parked at our uh, parking lot and um, we invited them into the apartment and, and tailgated or after the game. And they, I mean, look, it's a whole different spectrum. They, they win so much. Yeah. And they, they know when they lose, it's a huge deal for the team that beats them. Um, yeah. And so while and and these were younger kids, uh, kids now, say probably in their early 20s. Uh, yeah, they don't view Tennessee as a rivalry. Yeah. Yet, you know, yeah. and ho hopefully that yet is, is, is a big thing. Um, and going back to wins and where this stands. Um, look. There's no sugarcoating it. Tennessee has been burnt and burnt and burnt um, with hope and failure in the last decade and a half. Um, a mid-level mid bad football program. Yeah. A 50s football Yeah, That's why I'm ranking us out of the 120. We were yeah. six and six program. Yeah, I... Would I just randomly not? I'm not important. I don't I didn't have access to any of these guys, but I just saw the you know the recruits with their tags on, and um, just went up to a couple of them and were like, "Look at this! Like, how could you not want to come here?" And they just were like, "Yeah, it's amazing." And so, I think Hypel loves Knoxville, and. You know, we'll we'll probably get into this more later on different shows. Um, I think he, I don't think he has NFL dreams, or at least not in the foreseeable future. So we may look at this, and this is getting back to where does this rank on Tennessee wins? 
this may be a turning point. Um, look, we've got another huge one in three weeks, um, but that's at Athens. This was a home game. We needed to win, and we won, and the whole country was watching. Yeah, Robbie, and right now, I, I don't know if you feel this way, but I feel like we're playing with house money. We're in Vegas, and we hit, we hit 11 green uh, six times in a row, and we're going to keep playing it until it doesn't hit. And, you know, um, I, sent, I sent a group text uh, to all of our friends that so Tennessee is projected to the BCS play. It's not BCS. It's the national playoffs. Uh, this team was unranked to start the year. Um, I don't know that anybody's ever went from unranked to the playoffs. The path is clear, and I think it's – even if you lose at Georgia and you hold service with everybody else and you're 11 and one and Georgia and Alabama plays in the playoffs, that they're still pretty good. And, and that's what the projection was is basically Tennessee would be the second team in from the sec along with the sec champion and um, Clemson and Ohio state to think we are here 18 months ago, and, and honestly, you and I had a, a battle one day over text when I kept saying, I think we're going to go to a bowl. And you were like, this is a three-win team into 21 season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I've, I don't, I don't, I, I am wrong a lot. I don't know if I've ever been so wrong about Heifel and what he's been able to do here. Um, this, this is year one and a half. And they're ranked third, fourth, they're a playoff contender. And, uh, um, yeah, I saw something and um, posted and shared, shared with me. I can't remember who did it. But um, from, like, the Georgia message board saying, do not sell your tickets to Tennessee fans. Like, they're going to be coming down here in masses. Like, there's gonna, they're going to bring 50,000 people down here. Um, it can't be – a Tennessee home game where it can't be a 70-30 split, you know, like they just won a championship. They're number one and don't get complacent trying to pay for your playoff tickets, selling to UT fans. And that's accurate. Yeah. And and Robbie, I've heard different claims and this is the last thing we'll go out with. I've heard different claims and some people have said, no, it's not true. Some of the people around the campus have said it's true, but the fact that they're investigating that if there was a seismic event around the statement stadium because of the amount of noise and the people rushing the field, that lets you know exactly how intense that environment was. Yeah, yeah, and I think uh, uh, I mean Oak Ridge that they're the ones that monitor it, and that, that's what. Yeah, I mean, I think. Yeah, I've definitely heard the reporting that that it was registering as an earthquake. Um, you know, maybe you know. I think Baton Rouge maybe has gotten louder, but I I can't imagine anything louder than that. At one point, I looked up at the the decimal meter and it was reading reading over a hundred and twenty, and I always remember a hundred and twenty is the same as putting your head inside of a jet engine. Mm-hmm. So that shows you how loud it is. All right, Rob, you got any last words that we pick up with on Ridiculous Speculation on Wednesday? Um, 
I mean, I guess the only thing that I, I can end with is, look, I'm not here to spend other people's money, um, but if you're on the fence about going to something or not going to something, always go. Um, just go, and you never know if you may end up being there for the best game or the best atmosphere, best game you've ever seen. This is not. This was not on the same scale as that USC Texas game um, in the Rose Bowl. But it was every much as back and forth, and you just didn't know what was going to happen, who was going to win. The stakes on the USC-Texas game was a national championship. Yeah. And it's going to mean more. But regionally, uh, uh, not that any game would mean more than a national championship. But in Knoxville, Tennessee, to that 101,000 people, that mm-hmm. was life and death for 60 minutes. And I have – been in Neyland Stadium since 1979. Uh, Oklahoma uh, in 16 previously was the loudest I ever heard it. Uh, this was beyond Oklahoma. Yeah, yes. It, I was at that game too. This was this was different. Yeah, and it was constant, never-ending someone screaming. Uh, I'll end this on the stop and we'll get to Monday Night Football. That stadium used to be – 50-50, ball fans, Crimson Tide fans. Uh, if you don't think it makes a difference to get out and support your team, how many uh, procedure penalties did Alabama have? If the Vol fans don't bring what they bring on Saturday night, I don't know if the outcome isn't different, Robbie. Um a hundred percent. If this is played in Nashville, if this is played in Atlanta, if this was played in Tuscaloosa, um, all different outcomes. That's how important this crowd was. And, um, you know, we talked about, you know, I talked like earlier, like, you know, our defense had weaknesses, but you don't understand how loud it was and they couldn't communicate either. So, Alabama offense couldn't communicate. Tennessee defense couldn't communicate. You could not hear the person beside you. Yeah, it was so loud that my friend was literally shoulder to shoulder <laughs> trying to talk to him at one point, and he yeah. could not. Right. It, same, same here. Yeah. It was unreal. And you know what? Uh, congratulations to Alabama. We're never going to have 19 national championships or whatever you've got or uh, Georgia, you're the defending national champion. Florida, you had the greatest run in your football history. All everybody, you all have your history. I love the University of Tennessee, and I don't care. This was special to me, and it's like 15 years of frustration came out in 60 minutes of football, Robbie. Yeah, and I mean that's for a fan base for. Even though, I mean, these players, you know, a lot of them don't remember the last time. And then, Absolutely. Uh, it, yeah, it was just, you know, losing to anybody, especially a proud fan base that Tennessee has. And, I mean, look, this isn't a football fan base. This is a all-sports fan base. Basketball matters. Lady Vols football matters. Baseball matters. Softball matters. Like, track and field 
we get behind almost any sport as I don't say better as well as any college uh, sporting fan base in the, in the country. And um, yeah, they just get beaten and getting beaten by a rival. And, you know, for those watching on the West coast or in the Midwest, y'all don't understand how close um, these, these states are and how Especially. many people we interact with that are both Alabama, Georgia fans, like uh, Randall and I, we live probably, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes from the Alabama state line. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so a lot of, there's a lot of interaction between that people coming. So, I mean, it is a, while we live in Tennessee, we live very much in a tri-state area. And so, um, yeah, this, this area, this fan base, it knocks for the same way they're, you know, uh, near tri tri cities. And so, yeah, there's a lot of, uh, just intermingling and you see these people at work and uh, it's, it's a year round thing. And, and to finally, you know, just have our day and uh, just win one. Yeah. Literally you could leave your house and be in Georgia within five minutes. Yes. And and from your house, you could, I think if you really wanted to go max speed, probably 15 minutes and you're in Alabama. Um, it's it's unreal. I I lived in Alabama a huge chunk of my adult life. I've lived in Georgia. I've lived in Tennessee. Um but it was fun. And uh and uh I was gonna save this for Wednesday night and we'll we'll discuss it. But I've been on my little research grind today and some doing housework like I was supposed to. No team has simultaneously held the men's baseball, basketball, and football championships. And Tennessee would be the first team to first university to ever accomplish that fact if the men's football team wins the SEC championship. So uh, it, it is something. Oh, wow. So for Robbie Davis, for Randall Cunningham, check with us Wednesday night, nine o'clock, reckless speculation. Chang, Tom Sloan joining us from Michigan, and Raj, our West Coast expert. But who local- is who is heartbroken this weekend? Um, it, as it, uh, and I feel bad for him. We've all been there, but yes, our euphoria is going to be uh, the yin and yang with his disappointment over the weekend. So it'll be good, to, yeah. not good. It'll be interesting to have his perspective. I, I got a I got a troll text about the Braves on Sunday morning, and I was like, I I can't say what I told him, but I I had several words that were four letters in it, so. Uh, it, it, and Raj loses his Dodgers and Trojans on the same night. It was a rough night for him. We'll see y'all Wednesday night. I can't wait to talk about it more. Reckless speculation. Storming the Nealon special. Out. See ya.